Hi there, this is Sister Service, and today I'm joined by Kylie Blanchett. Kylie, will you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Hi, everyone. Um, My name is Kylie, and um, I grew up in Washington State in a very, very tiny town called Ephrata, and it's kind of in the middle of nowhere. It's just surrounded by other little farm towns, Mm -hmm. but surprisingly, a lot of people know where Ephrata is because if you're traveling through that side of the state, you stop there to get gas. So... um, Yeah, I went to school in Idaho at BYU-Idaho. I was there right as it was transitioning from Ricks to a four-year university, so I got to go through that transition. And I got a degree in music education, and I taught in Arizona. I actually taught in Gilbert, Arizona for a couple of years, and that is where I met my husband. So we met Mm -hmm. in Arizona Uh and got married. And we actually got married in Washington, but we met in Arizona, got married, and then he joined the U.S. Navy, and we traveled all over um, around the western side of the Mm -hmm. United States. And so he was in Chicago, we were in Texas, uh, California, where my daughter Waverly was born, Mm -hmm. and then we ended up in Washington for five years, where he got out of the service, Mm -hmm. and um, he went to school to finish up his master's degree. And then we decided to move back to Arizona, uh, where we had our son, Oren. So Waverly is seven, and Oren is almost nine months old now. Mm. And I am at home with him. And right now, just because of everything that's going on, I get to be at home with Waverly, too. So i got both my kids at home. Love it. (laughs) And I also have um, a lot of fitness certifications, because we decided that as we were traveling with the military, that teaching wasn't working out because we'd move like in October. Uh-huh. And so I got a ton of fitness certifications. And so I teach everything from Zumba to TRX to silver sneakers. I did swim lessons. I taught um, aquatics classes. I taught youth classes. Um, so I just, I love being around people. I really like helping people meet their goals and working with people and Uh, It was really fun, and I miss doing that. Oh, it sounds like it's just a lot of, like, being very personable with people and working with them. And, like, it just sounds like it's really fun. It must be um, joyful for you when you get to do that. So that's awesome. It is. It is. Well, Kylie, why don't you tell us um, just a little bit about your story, because you've learned so much over your life, and I feel like you have really... Um, focused in so much on waiting on the Lord and understanding what that type of patience is like. And so why don't we like just jump right back into some of those early days of your life and and talk about this topic, because it's really important for people nowadays. A lot of people don't feel like they can connect to God. They don't feel like they understand his will. And so let's let's hear what you um, you've been through. Okay. Well, and and one thing to say on the topic as we get started is that I had no idea at the time, like I can say this looking back, I had no idea at the time for half of these that I was actually waiting on the Lord. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that perspective is sometimes our greatest, um, it can be our greatest enemy, but it can also be our greatest ally as we look back at some of those times and say, oh, you know what? I was waiting on the Lord and I know that he was with me during those times and he was maybe waiting for me to reach a certain point in my life or reach a certain idea or thought, or he was waiting for me to ask Mm -hmm. and he was ready to give. 
And now looking back, it's, it's easy to say, oh, that was one of those times, but it's hard sometimes to wait on the Lord um, or to not understand fully or comprehend why certain things happen in our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my parents joined the church. They were converts, um, for which I am forever grateful um, because it was it was definitely an experience. My, my father shared a little bit about his conversion story, that the missionaries were out knocking on doors, and they both, they prayed, and they had a very, very strong, almost vision of the, the numbers on the side of my parents' house. And oh, my wow. dad homemade the numbers. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't like it was just a one, two, and a three. It was it was a, a plaque with, with the numbers and a little motor car on the plaque. And so they went looking for my wow. parents' house. Wow. That's and amazing. so for me, you know, my sister had already been born. And so um, my parents were converts. I was able to be born under the covenant and be in a family. Um, I'm two of five kids. Mm-hmm. And we were kind of on and off inactive growing up um, through little things. But I had a lot of strong role models. My, my older sister, she was five years older than me. And she had a lot of friends that were very strong in the gospel that would sometimes just randomly share things with me. Um, I wasn't their friend. I wasn't, you know, I was just the kid sister, but I would remember them coming home from missions and I was just in awe of these, of these older kids because the kids my age weren't, um, we weren't very friendly. Oftentimes um, it was a very, very small town, like two stoplights and a couple Mm -hmm. of stop signs, but for the most part farm town and you were either in or you were out. Yeah. And I think I remember it like the strongest when I was 16. Um, I had a little bit of a falling out with a girl. And because of this falling out, instead of it being treated as kind of like a teenage, oh, they're just they're not friends anymore. I was right. I was taken um, out for a drive by the young women's president and told that I wasn't welcome in young women's anymore. Oh, wow. And I can't even imagine. I was devastated. <laughs> wow. Um. And it wasn't, I mean, it it really wasn't anything that, you know, the church needed to get involved in. It just happened to be that we were both in the same ward. We were both in the same Laurel group. And I guess sides had to be taken, apparently. But um, I was really devastated. And I tried continuing to go. And um, I remember the first time that I showed up to Young Women's, they didn't have a project for me to do. And it it was made very clear that night that I really wasn't welcome at Young Women's. And so... I mentioned this to one of my friends who was not a member at, at school. And mm-hmm. she said, that's okay. You can come with us to our youth night. And so I started going to their youth night and wow. it was wonderful and it was spiritual and it was uplifting mm-hmm. and they took me in and they treated me like one of their own. Um, I never, you know, I wasn't baptized into their church and I didn't attend their Sunday meetings, right. but they got me through the last two years of high school with Mm. a solid core foundation and a belief in God Mm. and a belief in the savior. And um, I think that that was really important for me because I don't know what path I would have taken had I not still continued to learn that because those are the years where we're really impressionable, you know, impressionable. Yeah. Yes. And we we need, we need that. And, And mine was kind of ripped out from underneath me. 
I know so many people and who so, who really believe that, oh, other churches, they don't have anything to offer. And that's just not true. They do have beautiful things. It's just that we, you know, we always believe we have the fullness. But at the same time, uh, there are times in my life where I've been confronted by people from other religions. And I'm like, listen, we're all believing and striving to be like Jesus, right? We're all in that together. So it's kind of neat to see how that works. And it can go either way, but I'm so grateful it was there for you during that moment. Absolutely. And I, I still attended seminary. Um, I actually did a early morning seminary. And it was interesting because I was one of three kids that was allowed to do early morning seminary mm-hmm. because my schedule didn't fit regular seminary into it. And so one of my friend's mother's agreed to come and do early morning seminary for us. And so we did early morning seminary, me, her daughter, and another girl. And so I still, I still, I kind of kept one foot in the door and one foot just kind of, I guess, searching mm-hmm. around because I, I, I felt like if I had been treated that way, that maybe the church wasn't true. Right. And so, um, however, I was led to the only college I applied for was Rick's college. That was it. Wow. (laughs) That's amazing. Right? (laughs) I didn't apply anywhere else. I was, I just knew, I just knew that I needed to go to Rick's. And one of the things that I can say for the way that the Lord has spoken to me often is I've had to learn to listen very carefully because he will tell me in a moment and I just, I have to just know, um, and it's been that way with, with college. It was that way when I decided to go on a mission. It was that way when I met my husband. Um, it was that way when I decided to accept a job offer at the table when I interviewed. Um, I just, I had to just know. And mm-hmm. I think that that's the Lord's timing in my life is he built me up with a lot of no's. And right. I got really used to hearing the word no. So that when I finally heard the word yes, I, I knew and recognize I recognized it. that it was completely different mm-hmm. than anything else that I had felt before. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. You knew exactly what that no felt like. And so I knew that I needed to go to Rick's college. I knew, I knew exactly where I needed to live. Um, you get all these brochures and things and um, I needed to go through a lot of, of struggle before I, um, because again, I needed to hear those no's. Um, and so my first year I had wonderful roommates. And then my second year I had roommates that tested me. Mm -hmm. Um, I almost left college because of it. Um, but I also found wonderful friends who I knew were my friends and I knew that they loved me and I stayed strong Mm -hmm. and, and my third year of college, I found the roommates that helped lead me to go on a mission. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. (laughs) Right? And I don't think that I would have found them if I hadn't had the year that I had the year before. Right. I I wouldn't have set out. I wouldn't have looked for new roommates. I wouldn't have changed apartments. And Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have found these wonderful, wonderful women who were just great examples of the kind of the woman that I wanted to be. And when I even mentioned to them, you know, I think I I might want to go on a mission 
automatically it was just full support and what can we do to help you and let's do roommate scripture study and let's pray together and let's really support you as you go through trying to make this decision. Right. And, and so I knew, I knew almost from the get go that it was the right decision to make, Mm -hmm. but I had never really thought about serving a mission before. Mm -hmm. And so it was, it was another one of those interesting at the Lord's timing, I yeah. just knew that this is what I needed to do. That is so cool. And you went not anywhere close. <laughs> no, I went to the Czech Republic. Just clear on the other side of the earth, you know? <laughs> I can't even imagine the yes. person who was already struggling a little bit, not sure of what, you know, what exactly was right. Then all of a sudden on a mission to the Czech Republic, like, wow, you just really went <laughs> on a mission, didn't you? So I did. So how was that? What and was that like? Couple... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no. Um, so tell well, us one... about it. Um, one of the really interesting things was that my dance partner for ballroom got called the same day to the same mission and we were in the MTC together. Wow. And, and we kind of strengthened each other just a little bit because it was so nice to know someone. Um, and then my best friend in the whole world, she got her mission called to temple square, which is where I wanted to go. I really wanted to go to temple square. Um, she got her mission to (laughs) temple square and we ended up, we ended up two doors away from each other in the MTC in living compartments. So her dorm room was two doors away from mine for the six weeks that she was at the MTC Mm -hmm. or four weeks. I guess she was there for four weeks, but it was just, so I had my best friend there. I had my dance partner there. Um, I had, there were other people that I had met um, because I'd been an EFY counselor the summer before. And there were a lot of people who had been counselors with me that were going through the MTC. So it was almost like a really, really big happy reunion where you'd see someone, you're like, oh my gosh, we're missionaries now. Um, but I, I loved my mission. I loved the people. And again, I think my mission really showed me that there is, the Lord has a timing and there's nothing that you can do to change his timing. Right. There really isn't. When he right. has when he has a time, he has a time. And it's like it says in in um the Bible that there's a there's a season for everything. Yes. Um if the Czech Republic had undergone if if you look at the history of the country, and I really wish that people would because it's it's an interesting history. And they they were um part of communism and before that the Germans had taken it over during World War II, and a lot of the people were displaced. They had to give their homes up to the Germans. And so mm. they, you know, after World War II, they came back to their homes, and all of a sudden they were under communist Russia's control. Oh, wow. And yeah. so here they go from being war victims to communism. And mm. there had been a, a Book of Mormon translation, I think it was in 1927. So if you think, about the way that language changes. Here's this 1927 Book of Mormon that's being passed around during communism, hidden. Um, The people would occasionally meet together, this tiny group of of members, and it all had to be done in secret. And so then communism falls, 
and they flood the country with missionaries. And there's about 2,000 members. Mm -hmm. And then the numbers of missionaries start to fall off because they just, they're not sending as many missionaries. Yeah. And when I was there, we were there for seed planting. And no one likes to know that their mission is seed planting. Right. You want to pull those, you know, everybody wants to be the missionary that is baptizing everyone. Right. But you were there for the long run in the Lord's timing. So that makes sense. Yes. And I was there and meeting with these, a lot of them are women and a lot of them are teenagers. These, these people that were finding the church. And when you were able to meet with them, the spirit just radiated from them. And it was just Mm. an amazing experience to meet with people who didn't take the gospel for granted. Oh, wow. That had to have been amazing. And, and to know that they had found the church in their time. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, uh, just a couple years ago, they dedicated the very first um, stake. Oh, wow. Um, Elder Uchtdorf. Yes. So I was there in 2003. Mm-hmm. And we were baptizing maybe one or two people a month. And now they have enough people for a stake. Wow, that is so cool. (laughs) And the difference, it just, I mean, it it gives you warm fuzzies to think about it because you you have to look at your seed planting and say, I know that I planted seeds. I know I did good, even though sometimes it's hard because I didn't, I didn't feel like I had anything to show for it. Right. Um, You know, I went on my mission and I came home and people were like, oh my gosh, how many baptisms did you get? And I was going, well... I taught some really amazing people. And if you could sit down and meet with these people, (laughs) it it doesn't, the baptisms don't matter, but in your, the tiniest little part of your mind and your heart, you're going, did I fail? Did I fail to do what I was called to do? Right. And, and then here you have 10, you know, 13, 14 years later, a stake. That is so amazing. have to have to have a stake and watching people get called not just to serve in the Czech Republic but they're now being called to serve in the Slovak Republic which is part of that same mission oh wow and they're opening up cities in another country and it it helps to know that I was there on the Lord's time to do a very specific mission and my mission was not the mission that those missionaries are being called to do right now. Right. And, and so recognizing that again, I can, I can look back on it now and go, Oh yeah, mm-hmm. that's why I was there. Yeah. But at the time it's yeah. hard. It's hard to see the, the big picture when you're just living one tiny little puzzle piece. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I just can't imagine that kind of, patience and love just to know that it in the end it's going to somehow come together but you don't know and then seeing years later this big stake that is just so what a what a beautiful blessing to be able to have seen that you know come together it's kind of amazing it is is. and it it taught me a lot I learned a lot about living outside of the U.S. Um, things that I wouldn't have learned if I hadn't been sent so far away 
And I oh, think wow. that the Lord knew that I, I would need them. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously the Lord knew that I would need them. <laughs> right. But recognizing recognizing the blessing mm-hmm. that I have that perspective and I'm able to look at things maybe just a little bit differently in certain aspects of my life right. has been a huge blessing for me. It, um, changed. it changes seen, things. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I've seen the poverty of people who lived in a war-torn country Mm -hmm. and I've seen them pick themselves up. I've seen people who have told me that they don't know who God is because they weren't allowed to believe in a God. And to be told you can't even, you're not even allowed to think of God. You're not allowed to believe in God. Um, Mm. It has to be done in secret. It's, it's mind boggling. It's, it's almost hard to, to grasp. I, yeah, we take so much of what we have for granted. It, it really is a humbling experience to just even uh, for five minutes just to see what other cultures live like, let alone go out there and live with them for two years and or actually 18 months. Right. <laughs> uh, and I can't imagine it's just a, such a beautiful, unique experience. I didn't get that chance, but I think I look at it all the time thinking, oh, I'd love to do that someday. So then after your um, your amazing experiences there, you so you come back and then what what happens next in your life? Like you you meet your husband or ha- what happens next? No, no, I don't meet my husband. Oh, okay. Um, I had it wrong. So this is, another, <laughs> this is kind of another interesting part of my life that I look back and I'm like, the Lord knew exactly what he was doing. Mm-hmm. And I wish that I could have communicated with him better because he knew and he had a wonderful plan for me that I was not aware of. Right. Um, so I came back from a mission. And on my mission, I'd had a dream that I was living in Arizona. Oh, wow. And I had been to Arizona once for right. a choir trip at BYU-Idaho. And we had gotten off the bus at Mesa Temple right at the time when the um, orange blossoms are blooming. Oh, wow. And the smell, like it was, it was sunset. So picture an Arizona sunset. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> the birds are singing and it's just warm. It's not hot, but it's just warm. And the orange blossoms are just filling your nose. That was my first experience with Arizona. Mm. And I fell in love. And I said, you know, someday I'd like to come back here and visit. And I was getting towards the end of my mission. And I had a dream that I was living in Arizona. And when I went back to school, I was an education major in Rexburg, Idaho. Mm -hmm. And they have one high school there. Right. And there's 400 education majors. Oh, my goodness. You know, a semester that need placed with student teaching. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's not going to happen. So they were starting. Yeah. They were starting to branch out with offsites. And they were just opening up Arizona. And so I nice. marched the box that said Arizona. And I was the very first group of students that came down to Arizona to do our student teaching. Wow. And. I didn't even question it. I didn't mark any of the, I just knew, I just knew because the Lord was like, Hey, it's time. Right. And I paid attention and I was like, Oh, it's, it's time. And so I came to Arizona and I got hired on as soon as my student teaching was, was finished. I got hired on at a school that was going to be opening up the following year Mm -hmm. as a music teacher. And I spent the next five years looking for my husband. Wow. 
And, you know, one of the one of the things for my exit interview with my mission president was like, okay, it's time now. Go, go and get married. Oh, gosh. And, <laughs> right. Right. And it's, it's not that easy. Because you almost feel with with some of the singles where you almost feel this franticness. Like, if I don't get married now, I'm, it's never going to happen. And right. my life is wasting away. And I wish that I had taken a little bit more time to enjoy life mm-hmm. instead of that frantic feeling. Right. Um, I enjoyed it. I mean, I, I went out with friends and I dated a few people. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I did learn was that as I dated these guys, there was nothing wrong with them. But I very quickly felt a no. Right. It just I, wasn't it was correct. With this person. Mm-hmm. It's not correct to be friends with this person. And so I actually met my husband in a swimming pool. Oh, no way. It's kind of a funny. Yeah, we met in a swimming pool. Uh, we were at a tri-state singles event. And I had just turned 28. Mm-hmm. And we, my roommates and I were going to go and then all of my roommates backed out and I was like, you know what? I still just, I just want to go. And so I was swimming around in a pool and this boy swam by me, this guy. And I recognized him because the week previously he had given the prayer at a fireside that I was at. And I noticed him because of his prayer. Oh, okay. And I said, yeah. And I said to the girl next to me, I said, wow, I really would like to meet that boy. And she said, oh, go talk to him. And I was like, no, no, I can't just walk up to him and say, hey, I like your prayer. Right. right? (laughs) Yeah, that's weird. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) And so I didn't I didn't talk to him. I didn't approach him. And so when I saw him the next week, I was like, oh, no, I, I can't let this opportunity pass up. So he swam by me and I said, hey, you're the guy that said the prayer last week. And he was like, yeah, I was. And we started talking and he asked me out on a date that night. And he's the last guy that I dated because we decided to get married. Oh, I love it. Not that night. Not that night. Of course, of course. (laughs) (laughs) And so you guys got married. And um, so, so then where did, where did life turn for you after that? Um, So life took a really unexpected twist after that. And this is just another moment where um, I have to be grateful that I had my husband, Sam, um, Mm -hmm. because I would not have made the decisions that he made Mm -hmm. and they wouldn't have been to the best benefit of our family. Right. Um, So one of the things that I had told him when we were dating was I did not want to marry a police officer and I did not want to marry a military guy. Oh, yeah. And he was neither at the time. Right. And three weeks before we got married, he came to me and said, hey, mm-hmm. I think I need to join the Navy. Oh, my goodness. And I was, <laughs> oh, my goodness. I was bored. I was angry. I left him in the parking lot at a mall. Oh, I was so mad yeah, at him. I, like, I locked the doors and I drove off. I went back and got him. Right. But... I was, it was, it was hard because I, it was like the one thing that I had, sw- I will never do this and I will never do this. Yeah, because it, it is be a, a huge wife. strain. Yeah, it's a huge strain to be a military wife. And it was different than anything that we had ever talked about career wise or where do we see our life going or, I mean, it takes a lot to be a military family. Right. 
And so my husband was like, okay, well, my, I mean, he was my fiance at the time, but he was like, okay, let's kneel down and let's pray. And he goes, because I've received this answer. And he goes, I want you to receive this answer too. And I was like, nope, I'm not going to pray about it. Right. <laughs> You're like, I, I no need. I didn't <laughs> no want thanks. to. Because I didn't, I didn't want to know the answer because at the time right. he was, I, I knew that if he'd received an answer, that he'd received an answer. Mm-hmm. Like that was, he was very in tune with the spirit and I, I just, I didn't want to know. I didn't want to know the answer. Right. And so finally I did after a couple of days, kneel down and pray and got the answer that he needed to join the military. Mm-hmm. And I was angry and I was hurt and I was upset and I almost called off the wedding because I, this was just not what I had envisioned for my life. Right. And we got married and he went into the military and five months after we got to the day, five months to the day after we got married, he left for the service. Oh, wow. And so I went from being a newlywed wife to being by myself. (laughs) Oh, so hard. And it wasn't what I envisioned for my life, but, um, the benefits that we've seen for our family now, like again, looking back um, 10 years ago to now, right. the benefits of it have been everything that we could have hoped for and more in a way of blessing our family. Mm-hmm. And so it's and a good so thing we that you were able to like put your, your own like fears and worries aside and just, and, and just listen and obey, right? That's kind of a tough one right. for a lot of people. I think that's, I've, I've found myself in this exact situation before when we were losing our house in Gilbert, it was like, I don't want to leave, <laughs> you know, but my husband found this house out here and he, he knew immediately he was like, we are supposed to be in Santan Valley. And I'm like, no, <laughs> but you know, um, it's, it's interesting what happens when we put our own, um, you know, our own desires on hold and just focus on what the Lord would want for us because he has that long-term, you know, view. So I think that's Mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So at this point now he's in the military and does he stay uh, the two years or how did that go? Um, He did five years, five years military. His contract was, was five years and then three years of um, basically being on call that any time during that time they could call him back to active duty. Okay. Um, and so while he was in the service, we had my daughter, mm-hmm. um, Waverly, and he was able to complete his bachelor's degree for free. Oh, wow. What a blessing. And so we didn't have any baby debt. We call it our baby debt. I love it. Um, for having her because it was covered. And we didn't have debt for his schooling. Okay, that's awesome. And so, and so we came out oh, of the military blessing. basically debt-free, which was a huge blessing for us. Because while he was doing his master's degree, he ended up unemployed for a year because he had to do an unpaid internship. Oh, wow. And that was hard. I can only um, imagine. You go from being employed to being unemployed. I have this little one here. He's still having to go to work and work a full-time job just with no pay. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's so hard. 
And so we spent a year praying and praying that at the end of that time, he would find a job and it would be where we needed it to be. And we had some friends in our ward in Washington that had moved to Arizona. Mm -hmm. And he contacted my husband and said, hey, there's these jobs if you want to apply. And so we talked about it and both of us felt like we needed to come back to Arizona. And Mm -hmm. so my husband applied and it was, he applied to so many jobs and it was the only job that called him back. Awesome. So you guys were meant to be here. Right. And so he, he took the job and we moved down here and just after he interviewed for that job, we found out that I was pregnant with our second little one who I call our miracle baby. Um, Cause there's a reason there's seven years between him and Waverly. Right. And we'd been told that we couldn't have any more children. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so that's another one of those waiting on the Lord was I had given up waiting on the Lord simply because we were told it wasn't possible. Right. Yeah. And, so I had kind of resigned myself to, well, maybe we can adopt, maybe we can, you know, there's, there's gotta be another, another little person to fill our home. I just have to wait for that. And so when I found out that I was pregnant, I was like, no, that's not possible. And so I had to go to the doctor and I was like, Hey, it says I'm pregnant, but that's not possible. Right. And they were like, no, you actually are, you're going to have a baby. Oh, and so it was, cool. it was amazing. And it was wonderful, and oh. he belongs to our family. I uh, love it. I love it. We have a similar situation with my own sister who waited 13 years for hers. And you just, it's always such an amazing moment when a miracle that you've always were hoped for but have almost given up on, and then all of a sudden, here it is. You know, it's just such an amazing moment. Right. And I know that it doesn't, it doesn't always happen that way. Right. Um, that sometimes the Lord says no. Yeah. And, um, you know, I was there, I was at the point where I was looking at other options and figuring out what, um, what other ways I had to turn that no into a yes in a different manner. Um, cause I was not patient. I was, you know, we all have those, those moments where we recognize that our dreams have turned into heartache. Mm-hmm. And I think those are the times when I have the hardest time saying, okay, you know what you're doing. It's, it's all in your hands. Right. And I, I'm not always the best person with that because I like to see the big picture and I like to have someone whispering in my ear and telling me, okay, this is the end of the book. Right. I always go to the end of the book. I always, I always read the last page when I get a new book. I'm weird <laughs> like that. Just want to have an idea. But What's like, coming ahead. Like, let you do that. <laughs> no. Darn it anyways. <laughs> right? And so now we're here and we just moved into a new home and um, we're looking to the future and mm-hmm. trying to figure new stuff out. We've got new problems and new, like we're not set. Right. And I think that's the, the interesting thing about life is I could look back 10 years ago and say, you know, where will you be in 10 years? And like, oh, I want to have a home and a garden and a puppy and five kids and right. um, be ready be ready for the rest of my life. But life doesn't let you do that, I don't think. I think that we're always looking forward. Yeah. And and the Lord is, is always constantly giving us new trials and new blessings. And 
we just have to be ready for them in whatever manner they choose to present themselves. Right. And each one of those things that come our way, even if it's a trial or if it's a blessing, it seems like those things we're learning from and it helps strengthen us for the next thing and the next thing. And so it's almost like this life was somehow designed by a grand designer to always expect more just around the corner. It's just kind of like a thing, I guess, you know, I, I, I'm always amazed at people who've had to go through a lot of, you know, a lot of really unique routes in order to find and secure their testimony. It It's not every day that you hear someone who tells you that they've left the church and they're going to another church, but now they've come back and now they go on a mission and now they have this family. I mean, it's a unique story that you have and I loved it. Um, you know, it, you know, it's... Um, Reminding me of like that one thing from Sherry Dew, I remember reading um, when she's talking about how um, the Nauvoo sisters face the trek west and they know that their lives aren't going to get any easier. And then, but they each need each other's strength and compassion. And so I think that's, that's one of the biggest lessons I'm getting from listening to what you're saying today is just realizing that strength and compassion is there and we need each other to find that and the Lord is there for us. So in wrapping up like everything that you have been going through, what would you say um, your testimony, where, where has it landed? Um, so my testimony is that, that I know that there is a father in heaven Um, I have been through like looking back, we, I mean, we just scratched the surface, but I've, I had a really good friend once who I shared a lot more with her as I was struggling. Mm -hmm. Um, I was struggling at a time in my life to even want to be part of the church because I had kind of had enough. And I was like, why, why does this happen? And she just looked at me and she said, for some strange reason, she goes, I don't know why but you're just meant to be part of this church, but it's meant to be hard to keep you here. Mm -hmm. And, um, I always come back to the church, no matter what, I always come back to the church. And I don't think that I could have gone through the things that I have gone through if there wasn't a father in heaven. Right. And I know that that probably doesn't make any sense, but I wouldn't have been able to make it through a lot of the trials that I've been through well, yeah. without some form of heavenly assistance. Absolutely. And I mean, being turned away from church is unbelievable. I, I don't know that I know many people who would come back after that. So right there, that is evidence of what you're saying. Right. And I, I've met so many people and I've heard their stories And I think that one of the things that my journey has taught me most is compassion. Um, I have learned to have so much compassion for so many people in so many different walks of life Mm -hmm. um, in ways that I, you know, 20 years ago, that person that I was would not have had compassion for those people 20 years later if I had remained that person. Right. And I think that that's, I think that that's what I've taken away from this is that the Lord knew that I was going to need to be in a position to help people. I had students um, as I was teaching 
both fitness and when I was teaching, you know, my junior high and high school students, um, I had students that would come to me and they would say, I know that I can come to you. I know that you are my safe spot and I know that you Hmm. will help me through this moment. And if I was that human being that I was 20 years ago, I wouldn't have looked at them and said, of course I am your safe spot. Of course I have compassion for this thing that you're going through. Mm-hmm. And so the Lord gave me experiences and gave me trials to make me a better person. Absolutely. And I I definitely believe that. In every part of my life, I could echo the exact same sentiment that it, it's all for the benefit of this. Every person I know, including myself, that just Every love, every lesson we learn, it just like seems to ripple out of us to eternity. So there's no end of the the teaching and the love that God has provided for us from that one lesson. I really love it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and if that's if there's one thing that I can say with like with what's going on right now in the world is mm-hmm. that I have seen a lot of compassion. I've seen a lot of people who have buoyed each other up and supported each other and even over something as silly as toilet paper. Right, um, <laughs> right. You know, it's it's a hot commodity now, but I have seen a lot of compassionate acts and I've seen a lot of love um, mm-hmm. lately from people. And I'm hoping that it's not just going to go away. I'm hoping that it stays. I'm hoping I that we have, so. we have this love and compassion even when we're allowed to leave our homes and freely walk about. Mm-hmm. I just want it to stay. <laughs> I I mean that's the huge that's the huge thing that seems to be overlooked right now. There's so much worry. Um, do I have enough? Will I have enough? You know, and anytime somebody brings that up and um, I know them personally, I'm like, you won't be without because I'm not going to let that happen to you. And we forget that we are in a community and that God did build, he built this whole earthly existence around us needing other people. It's, it's such an interesting, um, it's, it's such a weird experiment he's running in my mind because I'm like, well, if I wanted to learn something, I would just set somebody down and I would download the information, but that isn't the best way to learn. And he wanted us to completely be immersed in the lives of those around us. And so we should never think that, you know, the worst is going to happen. We ought to have a little more faith in each other to take care of each other, to be there for each other, to share the things that we're growing in our gardens, you know? I think that there's a lot more hope than this world is really providing, uh, because somebody's got an extra roll of teepee somewhere. (laughs) Right. I just love it. Well, I... I'm so sad that our time is up, um, but I thought I would leave us with the words of Helen Mar Whitney. Um, she was in charge of the charity operation during the exodus of Nauvoo. And she said this one thing, and I think it really applies to us right now. Um, she said, the love of God flowed from heart to heart till the wicked one seemed powerless in his efforts to get between us and the Lord. And his cruel darts, in some instances, were shorn of their sting. And when I think of your story, I think of that. Like there was a lot of cruel darts thrown at you, but they were shorn of their sting because of your faith. So I am grateful I'm so grateful that you're able to come and share your testimony with us today. 
Um, and Thank I, you for having me. yeah, anytime. <laughs> and Kylie and I, we say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. <laughs>